This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. When you buy a book, or even when you check one out from your local library, how much do you think about the company that's published it? Many indie publishers work with authors whose voices are underrepresented by the big publishing houses, and two based here in Ohio have been getting attention for their success in doing just that. One of them, Columbus-based $2 Radio, will be at Northside's Downbound Books on March 11th to engage with readers. Joining me in this recorded interview to talk about independent publishing and the Midwest literary scene are $2 Radio editorial director Eric Obanoff. Welcome, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Belt Publishing founder and publisher, Anne Trubeck. Thanks for being here, Anne. Happy to be here. Thanks. And author of the book, Dispatches from Puerto Nowhere, Robert Lopez. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Lucy. It's nice to be here. Downbound Books is a financial supporter of Cincinnati Public Radio. It's great to have all of you. So I want to start with you, uh, Anne. What makes indie publishing so vital to the publishing industry? Why do we need independent publishing? Well, lots of reasons. I think, uh, as you said in your intro, uh, independent publishers are able to uh, work with authors uh, that might not be seen by these sort of large conglomerates in New York, which have been slowly sort of taking over the publishing industry over the last few decades. Uh, so it's really important to have, you know, these other sources um, for authors and, you know, to go to and for people who might be writing books that are not as commercial as the books that are published from the big New York houses. Um, and also, you know, as you mentioned, that it helps uh, local economies, right? We, uh, Eric and I are both publishers based in this state. Um, we are working with authors in this state and um, we are really experts in what's happening here uh, specifically, as opposed to sort of general, you know, whatever people want to be looking for in um in a sort of more general national sense. Sorry, that wasn't the most um, elegant way to put it. Um, but there's just so many reasons why independent publishing is important. And um, I think particularly understanding how uh, conglomerate most of publishing has become in the last few decades is really important for people to understand. Well, and Eric, talk a little bit more about uh, how you define an independent publisher and, and how independent publishers are, are different from these big publishing houses. Well, I think the big publishing houses, you see they're constricting more and more and they're focused almost exclusively on consolidation um, and buying up, you know, imprints and other other corporate presses. Um, and so I think for, for us, our approach as a small press is really to just sort of like push literary culture forward in this country. And we're able, because we're able to take more chances um, on the types of books that we take on, uh, you know, so for us, like when we accept a book, we're really trying, I mean, our goal is to, you know, sell 5,000 copies of a book. Um, and that, that, you know, for us is a huge success. And so, um, you know, we're able to, uh, seek out work from publisher or from authors, uh, who's, who's writing that we admire. Um, and also just, you know, find these quirky stories that that might not necessarily like have the opportunity 
at a big publisher um, where they might think like, okay, this is not sort of like the type of book that they will one day make amusement parks based off of mm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's the approach that we take. Robert Eric's company, $2 Radio, is the publisher of your book, um, Dispatches from Puerto Nowhere. First, talk with us a little bit about the book and then explain why you went with $2 Radio as the publisher. It's always difficult for me to talk about something I've written, but the book started with me, I suppose, investigating my background and identity the culture that I didn't grow up with being half Puerto Rican. um, My father was thoroughly assimilated to the point where not only didn't he speak Spanish, even though his, his father came from uh, Puerto Rico and didn't immigrate to the United States until his twenties or thirties. So the book is about, Losing that culture, losing that identity, losing the language and, and, and food and music and trying to grapple with uh, what was lost, but at the same time acknowledging and trying to examine what was gained through that assimilation. And here I am, uh, the second generation born here in New York City. And I, uh, I have a life that is much different than what my father and grandfather had. So I think the book tries to look at all of those elements from different angles. At the same time, also discusses uh, tennis and how tennis plays a part in my life and identity now as an adult, a middle-aged man who has a tennis community here in Brooklyn that is very diverse and uh, culturally quite interesting. And so I kind of compare my life and upbringing with some of my tennis folks. And uh, so the book does a lot of that sort of investigating. And how it came to $2 Radio, I mean, $2 Radio has been one of the the best indie publishers for years now. And um, when I thought about this book and what it could do, $2 Radio was at the very top of my list uh, because of their aesthetic, um, how incredibly bold and uh, ambitious they are. And I thought it would be a good fit. And I was lucky enough that Eric agreed. Mm. Eric, what do independent publishers offer authors like Robert that that a big publisher can't? Well, I think that, you know, you know, in, in, in our case, um, you know, if we're passionate enough about a work in order to want to publish it in the first place, then um, we're also the ones who are going to bat for it with the sales reps in terms of publicity, um, presenting it to booksellers at conferences, trying to get everyone hyped about the work and, and stuff like that. I think when you work at, if you were to have your work accepted with a big publisher, then you'd kind of have to put a lot of faith that on down the line from the editor that you work with to then the sales reps um, to, you know, whoever's presenting it at these conferences and stuff like that, that everyone's going to love it as much as that first initial person who is passionate enough about it in order to take it on, on in the first place. And so I think that personal touch really goes a long way. 
Um, and I think also that enthusiasm for a work uh, carries over when we're presenting it in our publicity pitches and to booksellers. Um, we have to really love something to take it on. You know, a few years back, we reached the point where we could have published more books if we wanted to, but we've been very deliberate. I think that there are too many books being published um, in the in the world, and so we didn't necessarily want to want to contribute to that glut of oversaturation of books. And so we've been tried to tried to be really tactful in the number of books that we take on. We only publish six books a year, and so you know we really want to make every single book count. So in terms of, you know, wanting to take on Robert's book, you know, it really stuck out to me initially was just the sentence level. Like I, he's a writer that I've been aware of for years. He's an acclaimed fiction writer, has published a couple novels and story collections. And he's just like a masterful um, craftsperson uh, in, in terms of his writing and his approach. Um, and what I thought was so special about Dispatches from Porto Nowhere was then how he was able to sort of like juggle not only, you know, the sense of loss that he feels from, uh, you know, not being exposed to the language and the culture um, and that sense, like his family's assimilation, but then also balancing that out with considering what he also may have gained too. Mm. Anna, how have you touched on this a little bit before, but how have independent publishers changed over time and how has the publishing industry as a whole changed over time? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that's really hard for people to know because it's not it's not really common knowledge. Even I have to, you know, do a lot of research to understand it all. But um, I mean... The short story is that about starting about 40, 50 years ago, there was this movement for presses to kind of buy each other up so that, you know, 10 presses became one press. And then they were purchased by um, conglomerates. You know, the, there's it's called the you know, big five is the phrase that we use to describe these five enormous publishing companies that dominate American publishing, although three, at least three of them are owned they're foreign owned. They're not owned by Americans. They're owned by German or French companies. Um, and so that has really changed uh, the landscape of publishing a lot. And, you know, from what Eric was saying before about um, the, you know, bottom line considerations just become more and more important. Uh, so that has meant that independent presses are more, you know, that much more important for doing the kind of work that is, not just about replicating the, the last bestseller, but about thinking about, you know, what new voices and new stories can be heard and, and what's worthy of our time and attention um, putting forward. Um, you know, a great analogy I like to use is beer. <laughs> so we think about, you know, beer in the, in the U.S., you have like Budweiser and Coors and Miller as these huge companies. And then you have like what's called craft beer, Right. And then these smaller breweries that are doing their thing. I really think that's a good way to think about uh, publishing. There is the, the big five or the Bud and the Coors and the Miller. And then the craft beers are all these independent presses um, that are uh, doing less in volume, but for the most part, higher in, in quality. Hmm. 
I want to remind our listeners we're talking about indie publishing and the Midwest literary scene. This interview is pre-recorded, so we can't take your calls right now. I want to come back to you, um, Robert. The if a, if an author is hot, you know you've published before. You've written several novels. Um, why why would you go with an indie press instead of approaching you know a Penguin Random House, one of these major five publishers? What what's the benefit? for an author like you? Well, the truth is that the kind of writing that I have done has never been attractive to the major publishers. They, uh, the, the big houses that we're talking about now in New York City, those conglomerates, they, for the most part, are very middle of the road. They don't take chances. Their aesthetic is very uniform. And, and that sort of commercialized product that they're interested in has never been something that I've been able to do or could even fake doing. So for me, I haven't had much of a choice. For me to share my work and get it out there to the world, I, I've had to work with indie presses and, and I feel very at home working with indie presses and I like the spirit and the, the bold vision that a lot of independent presses have. I, I probably wouldn't, I would chafe under uh, the conditions that a lot of editors at, at the conglomerates would probably try to impose on me. I, I, I'm, I'm a very particular sort of uh, writer and need the freedom to do what it is I do. And the, the indie publishers like, like Eric at $2 Radio uh, really encourage that and don't try to stifle that sort of spirit or creativity. Mm. Eric, how important are independent bookstores for what you do? And, and maybe after you answer that, you can tell us a little bit about your relationship with Downbound Books here in Northside and, and tell us about the event coming up. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, independent booksellers are really, you know, the greatest sort of cheerleaders for independent publishers. I mean, for the most part, they're the ones who just have this incredible sense of what's going on, like what new books are coming out and when they get to look at, at um, advanced reader copies of these books before they actually like come out in stores. And so they have like a great sort of finger on the pulse of everything. Um, everything is coming down the pipeline. And, uh, and so for us, you know, our a lot of the a lot of the retail space at you know the more corporate shops you know might be pay to play where you're paying to have your book placed on on a front table and in independent bookstores that's not necessarily the case you know if they love a book they can sell hundreds of copies of it uh one of our great backlist successes was this book found audio it didn't necessarily get a ton of like major review attention but through city lights bookstore there was a bookseller there city lights in san francisco there was a bookseller there who absolutely adored the book and he ended up selling like over 700 copies of the book in like an 18 month time span wow it's just like absolutely mind-blowing um so we're indebted in a huge part of our sort of like success as a publisher is uh, due in large part to the support that we receive through from independent booksellers. 
And then in terms of this pop-up event that we're doing on the on Saturday the 11th at Downbound Books, um, Downbound is just such an incredible community outpost. Uh, Greg, who 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 runs the store, who owns the store, owner operator, uh, just has an incredible selection of books. Um, we actually have a storefront, um, a bookstore and vegan cafe in Columbus as well called $2 Radio Headquarters. But, you know, a lot of times I'll click over to Downbound Books and see what they have on their front table just to see what Greg's excited about. Um, and, you know, so he's just got incredible taste. And for this event, we're excited to just have the opportunity to more directly engage with readers in Cincinnati in particular. Um, a lot of times, and Anne can probably uh, co-sign on this, as a publisher, you know, you're putting your book out into the world, but you're not actually getting to interact with readers about the book. And so the opportunity to uh, come out to Downbound and to actually talk with people about the books, what we're excited about, what we've been working on, um, can just be tremendously rewarding. So we're super excited about it. We're going to have um, some swag too, some tote bags, t-shirts, temporary tattoos. We're going to have some food samples from our vegan cafe here in Columbus. Um, yeah, so it should be a great time. I hope everyone comes out. Yeah. And your company is is based in, in Cleveland. I know uh, Eric's company is based in Columbus. And your company, and really focuses on the Midwest and the Midwest literary scene. Can you talk about how you think of the Midwest literary scene um, these days and, and whether it's getting stronger? Is it changing in some way? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to follow up with Eric said about Downbed, we published uh, the Cincinnati uh, Neighborhood Guidebook in December. And, um, you know, certainly a Downbound and all of the independent bookstores in Cincinnati were huge um, for that book. And we had this an, an incredible launch party at the Merck with, you know, a, you know, 150 people came and it was so wonderful. So and that's really the core of what we're doing at Belt is that we're sort of saying, People are writing great stuff here in this city or in this region. And there's interesting stuff happening related to the city and the region. And we want to um, amplify that. We want to help others, you know, learn more about it and, and get these writers published. So um, the Cincinnati Neighborhood Guidebook is, I think, the 25th anthology that we've done um, based on different cities in the region, Cleveland, Columbus, uh, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Akron, Indianapolis, I could go on. And um, it's they're really showcasing the talent of the writers, but also trying to get uh, a sort of inside out snapshot of what's happening in the region right now. So I don't know if I would say it's getting, you know, it's getting better. I'm what we're trying to do is just uh, point a finger at it, right? To say, look, this amazing stuff is happening. These amazing writers are in these places. Um, let's recognize what they're doing and the role that the place that they live in has on the work and the writing that they're doing. So really just trying to give people a, a place to publish and have their writing be read um, it's probably always been really strong and it will continue to be really strong. It's really a matter of, of how, how people get to access and know about it. Mm. 
And while we're talking with you, Ann, tell us about what Belt's kind of mission statement is. What what are you looking for when you're looking for new books to publish, new authors to publish? Great. Thanks for asking. We definitely have a focus on the Rust Belt, and we are very interested in um, people who want to write about the region uh, or are from the region. Um, but that's not all we do. We we do, for the most part, only do nonfiction. Um, and we, in addition to place writing that's really based on place, we do a lot of cultural criticism. Uh, we publish a lot of sort of progressive histories and analyses. Um, and we've been doing recently some wonderful uh, memoirs as well. So I'd say, you know, in the sort of serious nonfiction and place-based writing um, is where we really focus. We did publish our first novelist last year, which has done very well. And there's going to be a TV series based on it. So we also are looking at um, fiction if it's based on, if it has something to do with the, this region. What about you, Eric? Talk about the mission of, of $2 Radio. I know you're not strictly working with Midwest authors because Robert lives in, in New York. So talk to us about the mission of your company. Well, our tagline is books too loud to ignore. Um, so a lot of what we do is focus on bold literary fiction and topical contemporary nonfiction. Um, so we've done a number of essay collections Uh our best-selling book is They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us, which is an, an essay collection by Hanif Abdurraqib. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and, and another essay collection, A History of My Brief Body, is by Billy Ray Belcourt, um, who is Canada's first first Rhodes Scholar, just an absolutely brilliant, um, incredibly young writer. And uh, so, we have that balance, I guess, between fiction and nonfiction. And uh, Robert's book, I guess, would fit more into the nonfiction side of things. We don't do a lot of memoirs. Um, and I think with Robert's book, it took an interesting evolution where it was in originally an essay collection. And then through the course of editing, it became this memoir. Mm. Robert, are there, I guess I'm wondering how you measure success for your own work. Are the, can the financial rewards be better for authors with, with independent presses, or is, is the financial reward not what, you're, not what you're going for? Well, ever since I, I got the last advance and, and bought the second house in, in the Hamptons, <laughs> so I'm not worried about the finances. There you anymore. go. You're swimming um, in money like Scrooge McDuck, right? Exactly. And, you know, the only problem now is the paparazzi. They just won't leave me alone. <laughs> um, but beyond that, for me, the rewards are always connecting with a reader. If, if any reader appreciates the work, um, lets me know that via an email or a message or some kind of invitation to do something at a school or an event, a bookstore, um, that that carries the day. That that wins. That that's the reason for doing it. It, it. So whether you get this many readers or that many readers, those are the rewards. It, it, they don't need to be certainly financial, but uh, it doesn't have to be flashy. It's just finding an audience that appreciates what it is you do. And if if you're lucky enough to 
to receive those kinds of uh, accolades or that kind of feedback, that that's everything. So that that's all I'm, I'm in it for is to to be in conversation with other writers and to have some readers that appreciate what it is I do. Hmm. Well, I've been talking with $2 Radio Editorial Director Eric Obanoff, Belt Publishing founder and publisher Ann Trubeck, and author of the book Dispatches from Puerto Nowhere, Robert Lopez. Thank you all so much for your time today. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. Appreciate it. $2 Radio will be at Downbound Books in Northside from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, March 11th. You can find details on our website, wbxu.org. You've been listening to Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. Our producer is Selena Reeder. Associate producer is Asiya Johnson. Technical director is Derek Smith. Rob Fetters composed our theme music. I'm Lucy May. Thanks for listening.